What are cryptocurrencies? Hey, hey, hey. What are NFTs? A non-fungible token. Time to buy Bitcoin. Bitcoin just seems like a scam. What's up, what's up, what's up, what's up, what's up? Bitcoin! Hello everyone, welcome back to On The Ledger. This is your host Moel Sayed, and I'm back once again on your weekly rendezvous from Paris. Today we'll be talking about how the web is currently evolving and how it is enabling a creative and cultural renaissance, as well as the challenges that we'll be facing along the way. Thanks to blockchain technology, for the first time in history, digital ownership is possible. And that changes everything. We can now own keys, create contracts, and distribute assets. We're also free to port them over to different environments, which means that we can be digitally sovereign. That, my friends, is the era of Web3 and the open metaverse. A time for creative freedom, community empowerment, and cultural change. But it's not all rainbows and unicorns. The technology is still nascent, and we've still got a lot of work to do. So how does this impact you, and why is it important? Big questions that demand big answers. To discuss this, we've got two incredibly inspiring guests who are actively working on empowering artists and communities. First, we have Lady Phoenix, who's a crypto art curator and the founder and CEO of Universe Contemporary, a crypto media company that is elevating culture in the metaverse. We'll be joined by Parker Todd Brooks, Ledger's VP for NFTs, who's actively working towards providing creators with the tools and knowledge they need to embrace this space. Lady Phoenix, Parker, welcome to On The Ledger. How's it going? Hey, hey. Hey, hey. Super, man. Um, great to have you, Lady Phoenix. Great to be here. Thank you so much, Parker. Thank you, Mo. Yeah, thanks a lot. I'm actually pretty stoked to jam with you on this one. So let's get to it. On The Ledger Season 2, Web3, Empowering Creators and Communities. Here we go. So after an incredibly successful year of adoption across a variety of different sectors, NFTs are starting to face a lot of pushback lately. And I have to say that some of the critiques are well-founded, while others are kind of, well, cherry-picked to serve a certain narrative. So let me start with this one. Uh, Why do you believe in NFTs? I believe in people. I think that's where uh, a lot of the confusion or commentary around NFTs comes from. It seems like there's a lot of belief placed on things. And in fact, for me, it's about the people and what people can do with the tools and technology. It's not a belief in the technology so much itself. I believe in oxygen, right? So I get up every day, I'm breathing, I'm doing my thing. Um, I believe in the goodness of people. So I depend on that goodness in people to do good things with the tools available to them. Does that make sense? It's like if I believed in NFTs and bad people were using the tool of NFTs to do something bad, then it's like, are you crazy? Why do you believe in NFTs, right? And it's like, well, no, I believe in people to do the right thing with the right tools. I think that's an important distinction. I really do. I really do like that take. And I, and I concur with that. Um, you know, I, you know, for me, it, 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 it's, it actually maybe it errs on a little bit more towards the technology. And, you know, I, you know, when I do hear this pushback and I do hear the criticism, is it's it's usually around a lot of things that are one around speculation and what is tantamount a lot of times to gambling, and like to me that like kind of overshadows the like like what the actual technology is and what it what it what it can potentially and what I do believe it will provide us. 
um, which is ultimately freedom. But before that part, I think that there's this, it's like the concept of, of the, there's this notion that there's a way for us to verify without avoidance of doubt that we own a digital asset and we can do that in a way that's anonymous and we can do that in a, in a way that's actually super secure and also it proves that we own it. Um, I think it's just an insane revolution and, 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 and are an insane innovation, if you will. And I, and I think that the use case for being able for me to have a, a device, a hardware device, a ledger, if you will, that I, that I can sign and I can prove that I actually own something or that I have it in my possession. And I can, and again, do that without actually having to show you my ID, show you my passport. It's just the application for that from, from being able to, to validate that I can enter someplace, to validate that I have an asset that gives me access to something else, um, that gives me the ability to create utility where otherwise I couldn't create utility. I just think it's super fascinating. And I think that there's the there's there's long-term implications for us and for humanity to be able to to be able to live our lives in this fashion where we can prove things about ourselves without having to give up um, our identity. Can I say something really quickly on that, uh, Mo? Please uh, do it. Yeah, I won't go on a tangent, but I think it's interesting, this idea, you know, as you were saying, Parker, about ownership, right? And I think that the reason why, um, to your point, Mo, people often, you know, say, do you, I believe in this, I believe it's, it's really about, you know, for me, you're dealing with a, a group of people, um, I don't want to say a class, but a group of people, the creative group or creative class in this case, but a group of people who essentially were not you know, factored into the plan for prosperity when it came to ownership right. of physical things, right? <laughs> right. Whether it be land, <laughs> um, their own personal sovereignty, self-sovereignty, they weren't even factored into the idea that self-sovereignty could be possible for them, right? And that's right. why I say I believe in people <laughs> and not necessarily the the tech itself. It's not that I don't believe in it, but I don't think yeah, that we can place our belief on that and and sort of like move away from it as if tech is going to take care of things. We're still, this is not, we're still the ghosts in these machines, so to speak, right? So we still need <laughs> yeah. to operate with that consciousness and awareness that these technologies and the, and the ability to believe is still upon us, right? If we don't put yeah. life into them and make them sort of shape them to do the things we want, then belief is not going to be possible for anyone because it actually then doesn't serve us in the ways that we need. Right. And all the ways that Parker spoke to. Yeah. And, that, and, and that's a great point of just like, because to me, that's where the educational component comes in. Right. Is this idea that it's, it's, it's sort of to, 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 to piggyback on this idea of what you're saying. It's like when people don't know that they can own something. Right. Or if it's part of part of historically, like as a people, I don't know that I can own this plot of land or, or anything for that matter. And then it, when, when we can come in and, and I think collectively just like all three of us are, are part of like thinking about and applying this to what we do in our lives and we can educate artists that like, hey, look, here's how you can, with this technology, start to own the, the genesis of your creation and then from there own your creations before they get sold. Like they're actually yours and nobody else's. 
it's it's there in in and when in when the technology to your point can be like used for nefarious purposes where like you know artists can create digital assets that they don't own it's like it's like this this stories are horrific that i hear you know when when i'm having dinner with an artist i had this uh, i mean it was like three months ago and and he, he he had brought up a story that someone that collected his art that was a huge fan had had I think sent him a DM on Twitter and was like, Hey, look, I want to help you get into NFTs. I'm a huge fan. I'm a huge proponent of Tezos. I'm on, I, I used Hicknut. I would love to help you make NFTs. And I was like, Oh great. What happened? He was like, he's like, he said, send me your art. So he sent the art and I was like, great. And so what happened from there? He's like, he's like, well, we agreed on some bits and bobs and like on what the deal was, and I was like, well, what happened? I was like, you sent him the art, what happened? He's like, well, he minted it. And I was like, wait, I was like, and, he, and then he looked at me, I looked at him and he's like, oh shit. He's like, I don't own it. And I was like, dude. And he was like, oh, what, what, the, what do I do? So this is back to the, your point of like, I think that there's this really interesting thing that we have is that like, it's an, un, it's an incredible power that we have to help people understand this with this technology. It's like, dude, if you, there is a way to apply it to your life and to your work that gives you this insane amount of agency that like, and that to me is like part of, again, like what the, like it's to your point of believing in people was just like, cause I know that with the more and more artists I talk about this, that in the more and more that they realize that, that they have true agency in this stuff, it's like, it's really, it's really, really insane. It kind of makes all of the other parts of it feel like a, just a giant fucking distraction to be quite frank. Yeah, that's an interesting take. And speaking of artists, you're actually currently building the most secure and sovereign NFT infrastructure. Um, First of all, what does it mean to be digitally sovereign and why is it important for artists? Yeah, I think that, um, I think first sovereignty starts again in the mind, right? I'm never, when I speak, I'm never going to put the technology above human technology, which is the mind, the heart, the spirit, and the alchemy of all that coming together to actually move and manipulate matter, right? Um, or space time. But maybe that's a podcast for another time. Um, <laughs> essentially, <laughs> essentially to be self-sovereign in my mind and in my practice, you know, in, in NFTs essentially means this. You own your wallet, right? Which should be pretty simple. But um, if you look at a lot of custodial platforms, it's not that simple. People don't know that they can actually like own their accounts on their wallet. And then like you fully own your keys, Right. And so a lot of people keep their, their NFTs on MetaMask. And shout out to MetaMask. You know, they're doing their thing. Early pioneers helping bring people into the space. But then you have something like Leisure, where now you can take your NFTs off MetaMask, which essentially is not secure, right? Because a lot of MetaMask get, get hacked. You know, that's just the reality of it. And again, there's no shade to MetaMask. Respect the company and the people there. It's software um, wallets in general. Yeah, software yeah. wallets in general, right? Not just MetaMask, but I use MetaMask. So mm -hmm. I am a MetaMask user. I, I, you know, use MetaMask to purchase, to, uh, you know, for visibility, to see what's in my wallet, you know, uh, and then I move on I, and I, I move it over to my, to my leisure wallet, <laughs> you know, because I don't want there to be an opportunity to be exploited. Um, and so to me, that sovereignty, when you can minimize all of the liabilities around your free will and what you have and what you now own being exploited. Mm -hmm. Right. Ultimately, that's it for very, very simple terms. I mean, there are other sort of like more 
kind of academic conversations we can have around sovereignty. But mm -hmm. I really, I think that there's a lot of that already happening in the space and we need to keep it like bus stop, subway, ride, simple. It's mm -hmm. like, what does it mean to be sovereign? I want to be an NFT artist. Cool. Own your own contract, own your own keys. Get yourself a hardware wallet. The one I use is Leisure. Those are three tips. Hey, my ride is, you know, I'm at my stop. I got to go, but like, good luck to you. Hope I see you out there, you know? Yeah, um, I appreciate that. Uh, Parker, what are the different steps an artist can take today if they're listening to us in order to be sovereign? That's a great, great question. Okay, so I think I think it's, it's in my mind, it's pretty simple. Um, it, 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 it comprises a few parts. Um, so full disclosure, I work at Ledger, and I and I and I love that these said that lady Miss Phoenix about us. I appreciate that a lot. Um, but it's what I use, and so what I would say first of all is that you is that you, the first thing that's really most important is to safely secure um, your digital assets and your seed phrase, and so um, which is the, the 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 genesis of everything that your keys and your assets are created from. And so to begin that journey, I would recommend that you get a Ledger and you get a Ledger Nano X. Um, and or you get a Ledger Nano S Plus, and then you, you, you walk through the setup on that. That's step one. Um, step two is, and it could be in any kind of order here, but step two would be is I would set up MetaMask. And, and the, way that I, the way that I set up MetaMask is, is that I just, I set it, you have to set it up as a software wallet first, which is to me kind of a little bit, it's mind bending that it still works this way. So again, shout out to the folks at MetaMask agree and consensus, but th this part, of the process is, is in web three is, is absolutely insane to me still that you, they make you set up a software wallet without connecting. You can't connect a hardware wallet first. So what I do is I connect, I, I, I use MetaMask a little bit different than, than Lady Phoenix. I set it up and I set it up with a, basically I take the seed phrase, I set it up and, and I basically call the first wallet that they make me set, set up, do not use. And I've, cause I've never, I've actually never, actually a few times, but I haven't used in the last, probably a year and a half, I haven't ever used MetaMask without a hardware wallet connected to it. So what I do is I set up a software wallet inside of MetaMask. I call it do not use, and then I connect my ledger to the MetaMask. So now I have a hardware wallet connected to a Web3 connector that I can actually then connect to Web3. And the Web3 connector is, is, is MetaMask. From there as an artist, I would the next step that I would take is, is I would register a dome. I mean, again, this is take these, in Lady Phoenix, please, comment on this part afterwards, I would recommend that you register um, an Ethereum domain with your name so that people know that those keys that you create, your public keys, are attached to you as an artist. And so you could do this at ENS, you could do this at a number of places that actually you can create crypto domain names. Um, so I have parkertodbrooks.eth, so that now I have, I have a, set, a pair of keys that are associated to my, to my namespace. From there, um, you know, I would recommend that your next step as it relates to, to, to sovereignty in this place is that you you go to then you go to Manifold's site. And and as an artist, I would look into who Manifold is and what they do with contracts and the creation of digital assets or NFTs. Um, and then using Manifold, you could create your own contract, which is now attached to your keys, which is attached to your ENS name. And with that contract, you can start to create your own assets. Um, I think if sort of understanding that arc and that journey um, gives you and would give you, and it's a Lady Phoenix's point, the three tenets of agency, and you'd be able to learn as an artist, you'd be able to learn everything that you would need to learn to then 
go make informed choices. Oh, I want to use foundation. Well, what does foundation offer that Manifold doesn't? And why would I use foundation, et cetera? Um, that makes a lot of sense. So the three tenants are keys, contracts, assets. Uh, that's a great point. Lady Phoenix, I'd like to move on to another topic. You know, I find your approach to technology and storytelling very inspiring. Uh, and the metaverse is opening up a lot of doors in terms of content creation and culture formation. Um, that kind of lack of middleman and narrow relationship between the audience and the creators is actually giving a voice to a lot of marginalized communities. What role are you planning to play in that evolution? I like that question a lot. I'll probably ask you to um, ask it again because there was like three questions in one. People <laughs> always ask one question with like four questions, three questions in one. I like that a lot. Um, <laughs> we need to slow, slow it down and maybe remix it a little bit. Um, I did want to just comment super quickly on something that Parker said. Yes, Parker, I would recommend you getting a wallet in your name.eth. And I would also recommend if, you're, if, you, if you have a project that's popular, do it in the project name, especially if you plan to have that project impact culture, to your point, Saeed. Um, <laughs> Mo, um, like, you know, if you, for example, with the ape, right, if you own your ape, you could, your ape itself could have its own wallet. And now maybe your ape writes books or makes movies or has a clothing line, like whatever. So right. that's something to think about. And shout out to the guys at Manifold. Um, I would check them out, but I wouldn't actually start a contract there straight away. You know why? I would go on Udemy or some other little site and learn about Solidity and what it actually takes to make a smart contract. So that as you're using a great uh, tool such as Manifold, you know how to use that tool um, all the way. You can fully exploit the tool for your benefit, right? If you don't do, um, as we say over here, do the knowledge, to understand what it actually means to have a smart contract and, and, and the language it's written in, then you're somewhat illiterate, right? So you have to understand the language. You don't have to be an expert, but you need you need to know bonjour, right? Um, so in terms of my impact on culture, I would say it's not something necessarily, necessarily that I've planned on. It's something that has already happened. So I can give you the 411 on what's happened and let you know, you know where I'm moving and what my intentions are for 2022. So I introduced the topic of NFTs to Clubhouse and pioneered the drop party. That's a that's kind of a standard for introducing NFTs that the entire space has adopted. When, you know, I began talking about NFTs on Clubhouse, other folks, you know, people were talking about all manner of things from dating to like all these like weird like MLM stuff and, you know, um, I'm like I don't relate to any of this. I'm an artist and art curator and I'm, you know, a child of the internet. So let me just talk about what I know. And it wasn't from the standpoint of trying to even educate people um, because I'm learning also always myself. It was from the standpoint of simply being in conversation and holding space uh, from holding space to talk to artists and hear from artists. And so in terms of my plans, crypto fashion week is coming up. Crypto fashion week is uh you know, one of the first uh, NFT-based, crypto-based, Web3-based, metaverse-based. I, I think we need one word for all of these things eventually, but it's uh, it's a focus on creators in this space and a focus on self-expression. When I first founded Crypto Fashion Week in February of 2021, uh, I noticed that there was a disconnect between the way folks were able to um, express who they were uh, literally because we had to be six feet apart and wear a mask. So it's hard to like have a conversation and even understand one another. But one way that I noticed that people were expressing themselves 
non-verbally was through what they were wearing, through the aesthetic generosity of how they presented themselves and made people feel by what they wore and also made themselves feel by what they wore. So my plan is to stay within the space of self-expression through Crypto Fashion Week, uh, continue giving a platform uh, for folks to talk about what they're doing, to share what they're doing, and look for people, you know, within the margins. We're always going to have people within the margins. Either they put themselves there or society put them there. And so it's my goal to meet folks where they are within the margin and bring them out into the into the party, into the light, so to speak. Yeah, that's a great goal. I have a question. Is, is it going to be purely in the metaverse or is there going to be like an in real life component to this? There, yeah, I think there will eventually be an in real life component. For right now, since we were born of the metaverse, we stay yep. within that context. Okay, cool. uh, and we're the first, you know, um, kind of platform to go out and do that. Now there's other, ins- you know, people have been inspired that are coming out and doing their thing. Uh, if you want to check us out, you can go to cryptofashionweek.xyz. Uh, Crypto Fashion Week or CFW 2022 is March 18th through the 22nd. And um, yeah, I think what's different about us too versus, uh, you know, being in the real world is that we actually build our own environments. We build, we're world builders. So we've added architecture to what we do at Universe Contemporary as well. And I think um, for right now, exploring building these worlds and being able to do something and create something, uh, scenarios that you wouldn't see out in real life is is actually uh, quite attractive. And I, I want to play in that land of imagination a bit more before we have to be too realistic with physics uh, and IRL. So Parker, NFTs aren't only seducing artists. Brands are becoming big proponents of NFTs, whether it be in gaming, fashion, consumer tech, or even retail. Um, You know, as someone who's working with some of the biggest brands, what value do NFTs bring to their ecosystems? That's that's an interesting question. I think that, so there's a a couple of ways I can answer that. It's like what I, it's like what they what they're bringing and then also how they can and 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 sort of what we're helping them with plus then how they're connecting i think that the that what i'm seeing with brands with nfts in particular and and it's the it started with you know it started before nfts but you know from TikTok to instagram to to twitter and how the engagement happened was that is that to me it really looks like um that there's this incredible crossover that can happen with, especially like what I'm seeing in luxury and, and some very high-end brands that they're able to excite audiences that are are pretty young. That are actually you know the the cohort is, is like from like 15 to 28 um, to into their products so that otherwise that these you know the, these younger generation wouldn't even know who these products are. And or have interest in what they're what they're making. When brands work with the communities and work with culture and work closely with artists, and I think this is what we're seeing is it gives them the, NFTs are giving them this ability to to take these collaborations and use that as a way to create this insane awareness that otherwise that that that, that before, like I said, like people may just have slightly ignored, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, it's an amazing layer of engagement. There's also the component of being able to be perpetually rewarded for the product that you put out, since it's a digital product. Yeah. And Lady Phoenix, speaking of brands adopting the space 
for the Web3 community, it's a conundrum. We get so happy when a certain brand adopts Web3 uh, because it adds legitimacy. But at the same time, we're super protective over its ethos and values. Um, what's your take on that? On which the ethos and values are brands joining the space. On the fact that the Web3 community loves brands adopting the space, but at the same time, they're afraid that they might, you know, change the ethos and the values of what Web3 is all about. So we're, we're always super excited when a brand adopts the space, but at the same time, we're very protective over the ethos and values of Web3. So it's kind of a conundrum. So when you say that, you know, we're most worried about brands coming into the space and disrupting the ethos and values of Web3, I think that 2022 presents the opportunity to assess what those ethos and values are. When I introduced NFTs, the culture that you see now was born through Clubhouse. So when I introduced NFTs on Clubhouse, the ethos and values were support one another, mm -hmm. be honest, and be sovereign, mm -hmm. right? Those are the basic tenets of the space, right? Show love, right? Show right. support, hold space, and really you know, listen for people's greatness. Listen for what they're saying, right? Show how you can support if you can support beyond like a like. You can buy the art, buy the art, right? So those were the ethos and values that people became familiar with and really liked and, you know, cling to. We are now, fast forward in 2022, have people coming into the space who arguably maybe are not brands. I'm hoping these aren't brands behaving this way that are introducing product or that are introducing uh, projects called Meta Slaves with all black faces, men, women, and children, mm -hmm. and selling these black slaves on the open sea, right? So I'm not sure what the ethos and values are of the space, and I welcome brands to come in and help establish what the ethos and values might need to be for them to fill a part of this space. Mm -hmm. I don't think that brands alone should have to be assigned to behaving in one specific way I think the space is open enough for everybody who wants to do well by doing good, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, that's kind of the tenet for being a human being. You don't want to be a shitty human being. You don't want to mistreat people. You don't want to do things to disrespect people. That's kind of where we live. The golden rule of treat others as you want to be treated, but also the new and improved golden rule of treat people the way they want to be treated, right? Most people want respect. Most people want to be seen and heard and held in a place of, um, you know, of respect. I think that, you know, if we have any tenants or any ethos and values in the space, I think that first one needs to be respect. And if number one can't be achieved, then it doesn't matter what two and three are. Does that make sense to you? Yeah, it's a great point. I think it's all about, you know, the collective efforts, whether you be brands or people. Parker, what's your take on that? Yeah, it's, it's really interesting because th this is a, this is a line. I mean, well, one, I, I hadn't heard about this. I mean, this is disturbing to say the least to hear about that and to hear about that project. You know, how we're approaching this is 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 is, is, is it that that is that first tenet, right? Is to respect and and I think that this is how a large part of how we're approaching brands. You know, because you know we we have, you know. We recently have have taken and expanded our our, our sort of creating keys and, and allowing uh, our keys to to secure contracts and assets, and we moved that into the enterprise world where we can now provide governance around the creation of contracts and the storage of these assets. So that so that so that that let's just say use Fendi as an example. That Fendi can then actually have these assets. 
and 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 control them with governance. And it's not just they're not in the hands of a single individual, but they're in the hand of of, of the of the structure of the company and how they've set it up. Um, and we think this is key. And I think that's part of how we're approaching this when we start to educate brands on how to how to get started is 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 it's really it's 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 actually super related to this idea of respect and providing that level of of of, of trust up front. And what a large part of what we what we're doing is is that we're helping brands understand that they can they can they don't have to figure everything out from the like there's this huge again this is back to the the beginning and that where we kind of talked about that like a lot of people are really excited about this idea that you can create a a PFP project and make a bunch of money and and what we're suggesting to brands is that that, that they should they choose to do that they should. But that there's in between jumping into this world where like you may not know the value that you're going to give your customer. Right. So, again, respect. Like you, like it's like like there's a there's a the projects that have really successful, as you know, is like the Board Apes crew and, and the world of women and, and a number of others is that there's there's people dedicated in those projects to continuing to build the community and, and continuing to add value. So what we've been really recommending to brands is to get their feet wet vis-a-vis by including and thinking about like what is it what would it mean and what would it look like to either one sell a physical product which you do already really well like when i start to think about like 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 these like like the findies of the world like they're in that space of like they they, they actually do think about like i mean they think deeply about the, this product that they make that they want to create the best product for their customers they don't want to give them they don't want to give them anything that they know that like it's just not in their blood or their dna to make anything or create anything that they know is just like not going to really last or be have maintained value so so kind of how we've been approaching it with them is like well what if you start to think about the creation of digital assets in that same manner that like instead of promising that there's going to be all these great things what if you just learn how to do it learn how to actually create the assets learn how to use contracts how to what it means if you have a contract and, and like you 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 work with your your head of the maison to actually mint against that contract and now you've collaborated on the blockchain together and then include that digital asset with the physical product and we've been recommending this is because again it, like what it does is it allows them to like move into the space and do what they do well already really well and it allows them to again back to this point of respect it allows them to go look we're trying to learn about how this stuff works but we're not going to try to over promise and we're not going to like over promise vis-a-vis speculation Mm -hmm. um because i i think that this is where the that there's a huge learning here that like you know that and I think we have to all we have to all be careful that are on these projects is like is is that so many new people are coming in through these through these huge conglomerates. And I think I think it's 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 within our power to bring in the new users and not hopefully fleece them or rub them unintentionally because of our, our lack of thoughtfulness. Um, Absolutely. Can I say something on that? I think oftentimes too, and I like a lot of what you said, Parker. I think that. Um, you know, to your point, Mo, there, there's this, and it's up to brands to correct this, but with, it, it seems like anytime brands want to come into a space that's primarily community owned or seen as community owned, that um, automatically they're, they're taking something from the community by joining the community. And I think that rather than, you know, focus on should brands join the space, I think the focus needs to be 
on who brands need to be, right, to come into that space. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And if they focus on who they need to be to come into the space, the same way they focus on who they need to be generation after generation to remain relevant, right, That's with right. the current youth culture, then it wouldn't. Then people wouldn't mind if they were here. People would be excited to see them, mm-hmm. right? People would welcome them. I think that there's this uh, kind of thought that maybe they aren't a part of the community and that they can only police the community. And it would be great if brands would work on changing that for themselves and not put that responsibility on, you know, um, companies like other companies, consultants, whether it be leisure they're consulting with or universe contemporary that they're consulting with coming in with that open mind to, you know, do something different and to be different, I think is important. They need it anyways to be relevant to the future because this isn't a future where people want to be co-opted and disenfranchised in particular. Right. Absolutely. I mean, totally. it's about embracing the culture rather than, you know, just doing a marketing stunt. I think that's the biggest that's right. difference. So it's time to move on to our last segment of the show. This is free for all. So for this last segment of the show, I've decided to share my power with you uh, and have you ask each other one question. Uh, so this is kind of our own way of participating in decentralization. Feel free to go <laughs> first. <laughs> I love, and by the way, I really love it that you that you talked about your intention. I think that this is this is a, a piece of this that I find I think is really interesting that like that and I, and I, and I really I acknowledge and it's like I think it's like thanks thanks for I like thank you it's awesome and I, and I know that you can't you don't have a, a we none of us have a crystal ball but I, I'm really interested of where where you like where you think this goes not so necessarily specific instances but where you see it going because I think that like it's like probably since we met the first time to today, it's like where you think it goes is different. And I think that, be, and so I just, I'd love to hear where you, where you think the future lies. So what I think the future looks like is recombinant creativity through partnership, right? Yep. So taking elements and aspects of a person's kind of creative soul, so to speak, or creative uh, yep. material and combining that, right? Hence recombinant with someone else's. So the term recombinant, like really leaning towards DNA, right? And how DNA works. I think that, you know, the future looks like not necessarily, oh, I got these monster sales off this NFT. It's like, okay, that's good for you, dude. But your project right. your project didn't move culture, right? It didn't move the needle. And it might go to zero now because nobody cares in a year. Um, and so what I think people are going to place a large focus on uh, is the recombinant creative partnerships, collabs, and then looking at that Merkle tree of recombinant creativity as sort of like, this is the genealogy of creativity. This is who I got to collab with. This is what we made. This was the new knowledge or products that came from this collab, right? It's as if you decided, okay, this is the league of legends. I'm going to team up with this person, this person, this person, and we're all going to have babies. We're going to raise these babies according to, you know, the highest standards of humanity. And when you go back and look at that genealogy, that that family tree, everybody on there is a legend, right? That family tree represents yeah. the league of legends. And not necessarily because of the person, but because of who they became and the, and their stature right? On a, on a kind of soul level, not on a, Hey bro, I just flipped all these NFTs. Like I saw something on Instagram the other day. It was like, Oh, I bought this NFT for, 
equivalent of $325. I just flipped it for $144. It's like, first of all, that's a lie. He didn't. <laughs> secondly, you know, secondly, where's the value? Like a lot, what people don't know is a lot of these PFP projects and, you know, various NFTs that they purchased are going to go to zero. They're not going to have value because once we have a standard that we all agree to, the great majority of these early NFTs don't hold that standard. I'm meaning the ones from like 20, really 2021, <laughs> 2021, then they, they don't hold that. They don't hold the standard and they're not going to make it right. They're just not going to make it. So I think that the, for me, what I see and my intention is, you know, taking the, the conversation away from price. Right. And, yep. uh, you know, re, like shifting the conversation toward value and longevity. I think yep. that, you know, with this whole, like flip it, bro, make your money, buy you know buy the dip to the moon okay you know there's a place for everybody you know good morning has replaced the trademark uh logo you know or, or symbol people are good morning everything it's like okay yes good morning to all the flipping tripping and dipping you're doing let's put that on the side and look at the investment of soul quality in each and every project and that only happens through true collaborations knowing that what you create has a life beyond the drop Right. So I think that this idea of life beyond the drop will be what people focus on. This recombinant creativity is and collaborations is what people will focus on so that what they create actually grows in value as as the years pass rather than reduce in value. Right. And I think a lot of people are going to have junk. Most of these NFTs aren't even pinned to IPF anyways. So it's going to be garbage collected and people are going to be looking crazy. But that's for another podcast. Absolutely, I love That's I the, love the, the the recombinant creativity, dude. This is, this is awesome. This is that's such a, a that's that's a lady so phoenix, lady phoenixism. That word is trademarked. Please, people do not. <laughs> oh no, no, it's yours. Definitely yours. I love it though. It's so it's like, you. I'm saying this because this is a broadcast, and we're all sharing power. But I'm not sharing that. <laughs> 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 so that's the perfect way to end. That lady phoenix Parker it was a pleasure. Thanks a lot. Yeah, man. Cheers, you guys. Bye. That's it. A very insightful conversation with Lady Phoenix and Parker. I think it leaves us with a lot of things to think about. My main takeaway from it would be that the future is within our hands and that we've got an opportunity here to build something that could change the world. So LFG friends, we got this. This was On The Ledger from Paris with your host Moel Said. Till next time, take care. Au revoir. This content is provided for informational purposes only and is the sole expression of our opinion and should not be relied upon as legal, business, investment or tax advice. Do your own research. Any loss or profit is your sole responsibility. Stay safe.